two or three years ago before I started biohacking, I thought PMSing was normal. I like to think that I am a biohacker 80% of the time and a bioslacker 20% of the time. I think it's such a good balance. When you say, I want to become the best version of yourself, are you willing to pay the price? As long as you care about what other people think, you're a prisoner of your own life. Nothing's going to make you as much money or give you as much purpose in life as when you are doing something that's in full alignment with you. There's a reason why it says it takes a village. Like You really need to live in a village of your friends and family and just you know be supported you can't do it alone i think it's really hard when you live in the same apartment doing the same thing for 10 years and all of a sudden you're like i want to make a change because everything around you is set up for you to continue being the person that you are your birthright and your default should be thriving a lot of energy if it's not And welcome back and welcome to my first podcast in LA and I'm excited for this one. This one's going to be an absolute banger because I've got the lady herself, Aggie Lau, mindset coach, biohacker. Welcome to the show and welcome to your beautiful apartment in Hollywood. Thank you so much for hosting me. Thank you so much for coming to my apartment. I'm about to leave to Europe in about two hours. So yeah, no, I'm, co- I'm going to come to yours. I'm like, perfect. You, I think we should start with how we how we met because uh, it's it's a pretty random story because I, I crashed, crashed your engagement party. You did. You did. <laughs> and it's funny because we were very selective about who we're inviting to the party. But then one of our closest friends, uh, Lucas, um, basically reached out and said like, hey, there are two amazing people for, I would love for you to meet. And I'm like, actually, let them come. And we immediately vibed and we had a quick and, chat. And, and here we are. Yeah. And here we are. But obviously you've had um, one hell of a journey with everything you've been doing. Obviously Dancing with the Stars and all this kind of stuff that you've done, being a travel influencer and all that stuff, all that razzmatazz. But I really want to dive deep in today into some parts of your journey and obviously where you started and how you transformed yourself, but also into like the mindset and the biohacking and really go deep into that. Cause I think you can help a lot of, especially like a lot of the, a lot of the women that listen to this as well, you can help a lot of them get their, get their mind right, understand their biology. I think a lot better. 100%. It's one of the things that get me really, really annoyed that we as women are not taught an instruction manual for our bodies. Like we go to school and no one ever helps us understand our hormones or how to live according to our cycle, what different signs, I'm not going to call them symptoms, but different signs mean and how we can help ourselves navigate the journey of life and make the most of our bodies. And the reason I'm glad you're talking about this today specifically is because it affects men more than you could ever know. Like because, oh, because probably even more so, but guys are like even more embarrassed to talk about it. No, but I mean, it also affects men from the point of view is like if you're trying to have a relationship with with a woman, oh, or, yes, yeah, it's like, <laughs> you're like you're trying to you're trying to deal with all this stuff, and you unless you can understand the kind of stuff that they're going through and and, and what you're kind of going through and, and the different times that you go through it on a bio level, unless you can understand it, you can't be empathetic towards the other person. One hundred percent. And the funny thing is, up until two or three years ago before I started biohacking, I thought PMSing was normal, that the mood swings are normal. And, you know, kind of like being a guy who's like, oh, damn it, this is this time of the month. It's better to avoid your girlfriend. But when you understand that if we actually ate and lived and fasted according to our cycle, we wouldn't have mood swings. We wouldn't have the PMS and, you know, feeling like we want to, like, sit on a couch and just die, literally. And the guys wouldn't really need an instruction manual. The only instruction manual that you would need is how to approach your woman. Because, yes, we crave either intimacy or sex, depending on our hormones. And that would involve a different approach to lovemaking. But when it comes to actual mood, uh, there shouldn't be any mood swings involved. So you're, so you're saying on this podcast that there's, there's, a woman should not have mood swings and she can effectively disengage from having these mood swings if she understood her biology to the full level of understanding. 100%. Yeah. So as you go, there's so many hormones in our body over 50. The main sex hormones that we like to think of when we talk about hormones are, you know, estrogen, progesterone, right? Like these are the two main ones. And so when our estrogen is peaking at the beginning, beginning of our cycle, we are way more motivated, way more go-getters. This is the time for us to shine, to get shit done, uh, to go out there. And then towards the second part of our cycle, progesterone is speaking, and that's basically the time for us to go more inward and 
it's time for us to focus on being instead of doing, but it doesn't, but, but if progesterone is out of whack, you're going to feel like you want to kill your boyfriend and you're going to feel like you want to have a bag of chips and you feel like your body, like the emotions are running for you and you have no control. So how do you go on this journey of finding all this out? Because I really want to take, take it back a step and just understand you coming across all this because obviously like this has been an evolving journey for you and when I was doing my research I I thought here's a woman that's been through so much in terms of like so many evolutions of self to get to where you are right now to even be able to to even be able to articulate what you're articulating on this podcast you have to have gone through a lot of chapters so where would be if, if where would be like the best place for us to start with this obviously would probably be you know, obviously, you come from from Poland and you you emigrated to the US, right? I emigrated to Australia for. Oh, you emigrated to Australia first, yeah, and then for six years, and then and then there was there was kind of like a, a relationship there that was kind of like where you first started to understand a little bit of like toxic toxic energy kind of thing. I didn't even realize at the time, but it was definitely not very helpful. I had a very att- attractive partner; he was Australian, and so. The theme was, okay, he's the good-looking one. He kind of made me feel like, you know, oh, you're a little chubby or you're not looking very good or, like, your nose is very big. And I didn't have enough self-confidence to break up with him, I guess. Really? Um, so, you, so you felt in that moment that you weren't, like, good-looking at all, like, in any aspect of your life. You you felt like he was the good-looking one in the relationship and that you had to bow down to him. And I him. was the funny one. <laughs> Really? Right. That's, yeah, that's... and so then I mo- we broke up. I moved to the U.S. And, you know, you moved to L.A. And back 10 years ago, everyone was vegan. So I decided to try the vegan diet. And, you know, I lost some weight. I felt great at the beginning. The first six months were great. But then the energy crashes showed up. And I kind of felt like not at my best. So I, tr- I was trying to figure out different things, you know going on a juice cleanse or a raw vegan diet, whatever it might be. And it took about eight years for me to to basically crash. Like I put on weight that I couldn't like get rid of. My skin was just absolutely horrible. I looked like a thirteen year old girl with like so many so much acne. Like my skin was just sore. My hair was falling out. I had my hair falling out in patches. I had like bald patches all over my hair. Um constantly bloated um I couldn't get out of bed in the morning and I was like I don't believe that's what it's meant to be I believe like my birthright is to thrive to wake up in the morning to feel great and I need to find out like what's the solution so I started looking everywhere and came across Dave Asprey the founder of biohacking and he was also raw vegan and he shared his story of how introducing meat back into your diet and actually eating fat Maybe be good for you and da 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 and I was like okay I'll do anything but not eat meat you know I was like my vegan ego was very big and I was like you know I'm a better person than this you know but after another couple of years of really really struggling I was like you know what this is this is I have to just make a change and so I started introducing all of these biohacks into my life and now I feel so much better so it's an understatement, actually. <laughs> it's, it's interesting you talk about the breakdown, how your body started to feel like it was breaking down after six months of veganism. Because I've read read studies that say that, you know, you, you, you know, in the initial stages of like being a vegan, you see great things happen to your body and things start to look good. Um, you've removed it for a period, of, you've removed the meat it's for a period of time, your body starts to look well. And then and then it starts to really dramatically reverse and you start to get what they term as like skinny fat type yep. type yep. look where you're looking that like... That was me. Is that, is that kind of what you experienced? 100%. And I think it's really confusing because originally, you know, once you first get into veganism, you actually remove a lot of processed foods. And so it makes... Yes, of course, you're going to feel better, right? Because you start to pay attention to what you eat. But then you really just... What I didn't understand that my diet wasn't nutrient dense and I didn't have enough nutrients in my body. And it's almost like your body's constantly rebuilding itself. Even you watching this podcast, like there's like millions of cells that have just died since I started saying this sentence and will die by the end of the show. And the new ones are being reborn. And so you're constantly just like moving. Imagine like you're building a castle that just like every day it gets reborn. But if you don't have the right building blocks, if you don't have enough 
tools to build a castle, that foundation is getting weaker and weaker as we speak. And so, you know, there are studies that believe that, you know, uh, you can only go three generations on a deficient diet before um, a species gets extinct because you get infertile. And we see that infertility is becoming a bigger issue. Like, I asked my mom, I was like, back in, you know, in the 80s or 70s, no one was really struggling with infertility. It was like one woman out of her friend's group. And for me right now, I don't think there's a one girlfriend that didn't have hormonal issues that I know of. Did you notice um, any hormonal changes when you went onto the vegan diet in terms of like, were you more erratic because you weren't getting the nutrients that your body needed? I think I didn't even understand the impact of hormones and whether what I'm experiencing is a hormone imbalance or not. For example, I I didn't realize there's a you know a two hormones leptin and ghrelin. One is one that is making you feel full, and the other one's making you um, feel like you're hungry. And so they get disrupted as well, right? These are also hormones. Glucose is a hormone. You know, if glucose is out of whack, you're gonna crave more sweets, right? So there's there's so many smaller hormones that we don't usually um, know about that once they get disrupted, you will, I had that, that I would, I don't know if you ever had that as well, that sometimes you eat and you just, you don't, you can't really feel full. And I think that was what I had a mechanism. I would just eat and I would open the fridge and I was like constantly looking. I was like never fully satiated. I think in, in my life, what I've understood is um, there's been many different chapters where I've had different diets and, and different sports in my life and stuff like that. And I've, and I've kind of come to the understanding now that I need to, I need to lift some weights, but I need to have some boxing in there because boxing is good for my overall health and my testosterone levels benefit from me boxing for some reason compared to lifting, just lifting weights. And also like just how I eat as well. If I, if I'm eating cleaner, obviously in essence, I feel a hell of a lot better, but even, even to the point of like, even if you're having like two or three meals out a week, I feel lesser of myself and I can start to feel things I don't like to feel and feel stodgy. Yeah. Oh, that's a great word. I like to think that I am a biohacker 80% of the time and a bio slacker 20% of the time. I think it's such a good balance. I love going out and I think, yes, maybe the food you eat going out. I mean, not maybe definitely. It's not as good if you make it at home made with love, you know, without the seed oils, without, you know, just so many things that they put in the restaurants that are not so great. Uh, like MSG, but it's the pleasure of going out and we now know that if you know the pleasure of eating a good meal with your friends that that almost like it cancels out not so great meal right because it's like the other part like the psychological aspect of it's like it feels good you know your humans need that need that place where they can come together and they can have that community we're talking about um for this podcast we're talking about la and my first couple of days in la i was like oh you know i don't know whether i could be in la all the time or i don't know whether i could live here and then after after obviously i get invited to this get invited to your engagement party and i met loads of people there and i I went to another event the night before and i met loads of people there sorry i literally i was like never helicopter and here we are (laughs) yeah we and before this podcast we were saying like you know should we have the door open while we do the podcast because there's never any noise and then straight away we've got a chopper flying over yeah but that's very LA <laughs> but, but, actually speaking of LA but it's, great community and chopper always but no but it, it's definitely in terms of my experience in in LA like like I said the first three days I was like oh you know is this the vibe and then once you get integrated into that community feel, it starts to feel like, oh, this this place has got so many opportunities for you. And I didn't I didn't realize that because I, I was fully sold on moving um, full time to Dubai before I came to LA. And then I was like, and now I'm like, I'm challenging my thought process because I just think oh, good. there's I just think there's so many opportunities here. I that, just gave up my residency for, of from Dubai. Really? Yeah, just a couple of months ago because I felt the same way. I skydive the best skydivings in Dubai, so we're thinking that would be. Such a great place for us to be. And then I realized the community is such a... One thing I don't think we still under still understand in today's society. I think it was very much the norm back 100 years ago. And we're, you know, we're still like living in those big homes by ourselves, you know, um, away from our parents and away from our grandparents. And we put old people into old people's homes. Like, that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, I believe that, you know, if you have your family close by 
and if you have your friends close by and you live in a community you're like bring your children like there is a reason why it says it takes a village like you really need to live mm-hmm. in like in a village of your friends and family and just like you know be supported you can't do it alone see uh, yeah, see and one thing about dubai is obviously like a lot of the benefits of being in dubai is like the the tax regulations and obviously like you know some so of, central so, so, like let's be honest it's, like, it's it's great for travel it's central um quite a few business people have told me look frankie if you can if you can if you can earn x amount but you can keep 20 30 percent more you know look how that compounds over time and then you, you can enter the u.s later on in life and it's like it's a little bit better for you and i understand that concept too and it's probably something similar that i'll do but i just think that you have there's a reason why these high tax locations like like california for argument's sake they do have the, the tax that you're paying i don't see it as just tax anymore i see it as like a tax for the opportunities that you can create here 100 percent. i see it so much like more and more now like i think just everything i have created in the last year has been a result of my extremely helpful wonderful talented friends that when i said hey guys i like i feel called to do supplements my audience really needs something that would be like specifically designed for women that would be natural doctor formulated whatnot and i just like just said that, you know, at a party. And within a week, you know, my friends were like, hey, these are the best guys we've asked around. You know, this celebrity works with them. That person works with them. I was like, this isn't something that I could ever potentially get being in Dubai or being in Bali where I live half of the time because, you know, Google search only goes this far, right? And I think there is beauty in the community. And, you know, they say you're an average of five people you hang out with. And I truly believe it's not even about like someone giving you a contact for a supplement company. It's the mindset. Like I love my mom dearly and I love my family, but for them, anything that I say is a challenge. You know, I'm about to go get my wedding dress. I'm like, mom, will you go to London with me? Let's go to London, like to go shopping. Cause I was shopping here and mom's in Poland. I'm like, let's go to like the best or just to see. She's like, no, you know, it's a Tuesday. I'm busy. You know, like there's always something. Yeah, European mentality, isn't it? Yeah. And then you come to LA and anything is possible. And people are like, fuck yeah, why not? Right? And in Europe, you have to give people 20 reasons why they should do something. In your in LA, you have to give people a reason why not, right? Yeah. Do you, was you, when you first moved out of Poland and went to Australia... Because obviously I went from England to Australia. That was my first move. Oh, and, and I did the eight and a half years there. I found Australia was great for me because it expanded my mind beyond all levels of, mm-hmm. of conception. Because when you live in Europe, it's like small houses, small mindset, kind of a middle class mentality I found w- w- the area that I grew up in, certainly. And it just kind of, when I went to Australia, I just literally, the first day I was like, wow, like, look, I can't even conceptualize how much can be achieved now in the world when when I've seen when I've seen this level of abundance there. Was it similar for you? It was. It was also like I found Australia to be. I don't know if I, I should say that, but I found like the environment that I was in. Right, it's obviously not the whole country, but it was a little bit um, materialistic in that way. Like it was so abundant that it for me lacked a little bit of depth. Like it's almost right, okay. like people grew up with so much ease that there was not enough like grid uh, uh, it's funny and so i like that in america it's like the i wouldn't say hustle but just like appreciation for hot work and people really just like go after their dreams in australia i felt like it was a little bit of like a passive as long as i'm getting paid and you know go home three hours early on a friday i'm good i am um, i went down a boxing gym in when i went to the gold coast for the first time and I was was just hitting the bag, and you know how sometimes in a boxing gym there's a little bit of there's a lot of ego. I've only been around. once. I'm sorry, it's but, so but, but, hard but for your abs. The, I was like, I can't do it. But there's a bit of ego in a boxing gym, right? And I just I was fresh off the plane. I just landed from England. I'd only been there a few weeks. I was still a little bit. I was still a little bit even jet lagged to say. And I remember there's quite because you know how there's the Australian lad. He's this good looking lad. He looked good in a pair of gloves. Do you know what I mean? He was moving around. He's like, oh, do you want to spar? And when we got into round one, this, 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 we're going through round one and I'm just playing around, just parrying out my jab and this, that and the other, you can imagine. After, 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 after a minute, I realised, holy fuck, like, 
I'm 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 going in here thinking to myself like this is life or death like because that's that that's how I was taught in England like because everything's like grit determination like one of us is going to die one of us is going to come out <laughs> laid on a stretcher and this kid don't want to know none of that like so he's called me out into this into this sparring session but like I just I just knew then I just knew then it was like this is this country is a it's a lot easier to grow up here than back in England and you could I could even tell it from the sparring. That I had to ease up, ease off the gas because otherwise I could have blown him out there. You could have actually just hurt him. <laughs> yeah, like the, because because it's just a different environment. Like like I, and then I realised when I got out the um, ring and I'm sat on the side of the canvas and I'm looking at other people sparring, I realised, oh, they're they're doing they're doing boxing for fun. In England, we're tra- we're training for this because we want to be relentless. We want to we want to kill each other. Like not in a when when it's out of the ring, it's respectful. But after before that, it's not. And that's and and that was a whole mentality shift for me of like as how I see Australia. Australia is like very nice, very beautiful, very laid back, very affluent, and money has flowed easy in that in that yeah. country to everybody. I feel, but then when when I come to England, like the entrepreneurs I interview in England, they've had to come from like the council estate on the back end of somewhere else like and really drag themselves out the mud to get the five million ten million company and then take it to the stock exchange and that's that's kind of how i felt my experience was in australia it's just a weird one but so you after being in australia for like six years you you then you then pivoted and and moved straight to la i went sailing for a year across the pacific i read about this because you didn't you nearly die from a side yeah. wave like because yeah. you got washed over did, did, yeah, did you yeah, get yeah. the whole boat so you decided to uh, the my understanding of this story is you decided um with your boyfriend at the time that you were going to buy a buy a boat without a sat nav navigation system yeah. in it uh and sail it right across the ocean so walk me through that story so I was 25 and I was like, okay, I'm having a bit of a quarter life crisis. I would love to experience real adventure. I felt like I live in the city and I, I'm becoming more of a, like a city rat where I get uncomfortable when out in nature and I want to change that. I want to see what it's like to be truly like living an adventure. And we thought, why not, why not sailing? The little caveat was neither of us have ever sailed before. I've never even been on a sailboat in my life. But it just looked like something that people do when they want to experience adventure. And I was like, either this or climbing like a really big mountain. But mountains like a few weeks and we kind of wanted to do something for a year. And Pacific is just so you know, I didn't know. Back in the day, it's actually one third of the planet, even though you never see it because it's on the side of the map. So it doesn't look like it's big, but it's actually a third of the planet. It's just the Pacific Ocean. And all of us, you know, are living on the two thirds and um so you just yeah. randomly decide that you want to sail across that yeah so we found a boat on on ebay from mexico for like ten thousand dollars was like 30 40 years old and like you know just went to mexico tried to like make sure that it's okay we asked a couple people like do you think we can survive in this and everyone's like i mean i don't know right it's like a boat from 1970 super small but we decided to go for it and the first part of the journey, imagine, like, I'm calling my mom. It's like, Mom, we're going to be following this other sailboat because she would have a heart attack if she heard that, you know, I'm sailing without any experience uh, on my own. So it's like, we'll be following this other sailboat. I'll be, you know, and, you know, we're going to arrive on the next island within two to three weeks. And, you know, three weeks pass, four weeks pass, six weeks pass. My mom's like, okay, they're dead. Like, they ask everybody, they call the embassy, and the embassy, like, well, she's lost at sea, there's nothing we can do. It's like seven weeks, right? So we left uh, end of September, and we were supposed to arrive, like, late October. It was, like, October, So you November. had no communication at all? No, no no automatic pilot, so I had to, like, hand steer the entire time for uh, basically 60 days. So we arrived uh, on the first island, Nukuhiva, 62 days later i think it's like a world record for the slowest uh like you know time between the two islands because we obviously didn't know what we were doing and we were sailing in the cyclone season and there was like really bad weather so my mom was like i cannot believe like you're still gonna go and we continued for a whole year and was that was that one of the points in your life where you really challenged your own mindset and challenged your own your own thinking patterns to kind of step out of I, I kind of feel like at that point you want to step out of the norm 
you kind of. I think that was what my my soul, like my higher self, really craved, like to to show me what's possible, to show me that if I surrender and trust, there is so much beauty. It was the hardest, but the most beautiful year of my life. Imagine, you know, you spend 180 days out in the ocean. You imagine the sunrises, the dolphins every morning coming to say hello. Like this is just something that. It's almost impossible to share, right? Like the, the rhythm that you have when you just do one thing a day. Well, what would you say to the people listening to this that may feel that in some parts of their life they're stuck, they want to ch- change it up, they want to challenge, they want to they get more in contact with their, their higher self, their, you know, their highest version of themselves? What mm. would you say? I think the easiest one, and that's how... And that's why I, you know, I was a travel influencer in the first place because you have to change your environment. I think it's really hard when you like live in the same apartment doing the same thing for 10 years and all of a sudden you're like, I want to make a change because everything around you is set up to, for you to continue being the person that you are, unfortunately, right? It's the routine, the people. It's going to be really, really hard for you to make that change. Second, when you say... I want to become the best version of yourself. Are you willing to pay the price? That's a really big one because most people say that, but are you really willing? Are you willing to give up some of your friendships that mm. no longer serve you? Yeah. Are you willing to give up your relationship? Are you willing to give up the foods, the habits, uh, you know, Instagram, whatever it might be that does not ser- serve your higher self? Most people can't. Most people are so worried and that's another thing you have to give up. What do people think about you, right? Are you ready to give that up as well? Because we are, I mean, I'm still, like, we still are, most people still are, like, victims uh, to, to you know, what do people care about? You know, what do people say? What do people think? For me, it's not a, as much about strangers, but it's some of my friends that I really care about or people that I look up to that I still would love to impress and as I go through my spiritual coach we like uncover I'm like who do I really still like to like secretly impress is it Jacob is it you know someone that I just met that I look up to and I want to like appear smart or whatever might be but it's it's a beautiful way to heal if you can give that up you're unstoppable you know so essentially, then it's it's giving up what other people think is the kind of because it's it's other it's what other people think that will stop you from doing the traveling, from changing lo- your location, from changing jobs, from changing your life in any aspect will be other people's opinions. So how did you manage to break what other people's opinions meant to you? Oof, lots of things. Um, I think it's. it's it's still a process. It's not like I can tell you I really don't give a shit. I would love to say that. There is definitely a level of that because it comes up when, you know, a dear friend of mine just brings something up that is really hurtful or I find out that they said something about me that isn't quite true. Like, it still hurts. Um, but when it comes to, like, in the, in the larger scale in terms, in terms of my followers, it's just, like, really trying to heal that no matter whether people say the good and the bad, neither of this is true. And that's a lot of ayahuasca. It's a lot of just like working with my spiritual coach that is she crushes my ego every single time. And she's like, as long as you care about what other people think, you're a prisoner of your own life. And so everything I do is just like... That's a powerful statement you just said there. Yeah. If you care what other people think, you're a prisoner of your own life. Yeah, because everything you do is a reaction to what you think other people think of you, right? You know, you don't live out of the fullest expression, out of the full, like, fuck yes. You live from what does it going to look like to other people? And, you know, and whenever you have mm. a big audience, it, it multiplies, right? So yeah. It's not only your friends and family and people at work. It's also, you know, a million to million people online. When I... When I first started doing this podcast, I was just doing it one rep at a time. And then I got into like 60, 70 episodes and I started to get into this competition mindset where I was competing with other podcasters. And it wasn't until about episode 85, I sat down with myself and I said to myself, do you know what? This 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 has got to go back to one rep at a time. And you've just got to go back to being fully present and, and enjoying 
the conversations you're having in the time that you're in, doing the best that you can with what you've got. Because, because one be, rep at a time. One rep at a time. Because that's a tattoo right there. Because because otherwise, you are in this constant cycle. I, I first and foremost, when it comes to doing a podcast, even I mean, when it comes to doing anything in life, Aggie, it has to be for you first and foremost. So this 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 serves my sole purpose in terms of like I get to have conversations with people that I want to really have conversations with and get to and then hopefully as a byproduct of me doing that and living authentically through that then it gets to touch other people as as the second as a second point but sometimes I get people say oh, I want you to have this person on the podcast I want you to do this I want you to do that but I only have people on that I want to have on because it's got to serve you first and then by so funny that you say that because um, I, I've I've gone through the same thing, so I really appreciate that you're sharing that. Yeah, because if you, you you have to serve you first in order to be able to serve the world, you cannot serve the world. Mic drop. You cannot. Those mics don't drop. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, but you can't serve the you can't serve the world unless you first served yourself. So it's just it's just, it's fill just your a, own cup first. Fill, fill fill your own cup first, and make and make sure that you're you know that every ask yourself you know just. You might be driving to work right now. I don't know where you are in the world right now, but just say to yourself, you know, is everything that I'm doing, is that for me or is it for other people? Because I know that there's been times in my life, especially when I was a boxing trainer or when I was involved in boxing at all, that was all to do with ego and all to do with me being something for other people. It wasn't, it wasn't, re it wasn't truly for me. And it's hard to say it. But it's the truth, and the truth that you find in yourself is the hardest truth to to face up to. Yeah. There's nothing outside of us that that really truly affects us, other than our internal dialogue with with the outside world. One hundred percent. And I, one of the very first like people I looked up to was Oprah. Not very original, but that was like you know 15 years ago. And I remember she said that her favorite book is The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukov. And the gist of it is that the energy behind every action changes the outcome. And she's like, just remember that. And I remember like not quite understanding what she meant, but I think it's very true. Like you can do the, your podcast from the energy of like, I just want the most downloads and I'm going to get super competitive. Wait, someone had Aggie. I'm going to get her too. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't work like that, does it? No. But if you do it like, Oh, I haven't seen Aggie on a lot of podcasts, but I resonate with her energy. Fuck, maybe she should come. Like, Because I'm curious about her story. And then that's how you like make yourself unique. Like two very different energies, right? So picture the scene. I want to I want to tell you a bit more of a yeah, story about how my eyes actually. So picture picture the scene, right? So I've 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 come to LA, I've been in LA, LA like three or four days. Mm -hmm. I Lucas says to me, I want you to come to meet my friends. They're having their engagement party. Now I'm I'm naturally thinking to myself, am I Am I going to be welcome in this environment? Like I'm, I don't want to make a woman, especially feel like her party's been invaded on her engagement day. So this is what I'm thinking at the time. When I turned up to your engagement party, I, 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 I was thinking to myself. I was thinking to myself, like, like obviously, I'm, I'm a good judge of people because obviously, when you're stood face to face with a guy in a boxing ring, you, you, you get to look into each other's souls and you know if you, you know a lot about each other just by being in that kind of environment. So when I, when when I, when I arrived in in this in uh, Beverly Hills at your uh, your place that you had then, um, I was in and you were so warm and endearing to me and like welcoming to me. I was like ah, oh. and then we started to talk and we we, we realized we had a lot of commonalities and it's just it was just very nice for me. And not everyone's like that. So that that and then that's some, that was a way that obviously this podcast came about, which is a more organic and more beautiful way of doing podcasts than just being like reaching out to people by random people by email and. And do you know what I mean? Before you've even met them and, yeah. and stuff like that. So that, that's why that's why I obviously invited you on. I thought you could bring a lot of value to the audience because I knew that the online perception I had of you before I met you and the perception I had was the same was the same thing. Oh, that means so much. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes I've I've, I've met people. Um, I've already met I've already met people in LA that I've seen their content online that are not the same person. Yep, I know it's it makes it really hard to for me at least to to keep a lot of my friendships because it's that, you know, you'd love someone, like you love following them online and meet them in person. And it's just like, wow, like how jarring. Yeah. because especially, but, but I've learned from that, from, from those interactions, 
the only reason they have that perception is because I've given them, them that perception without meeting them in my mind. So I've created the perception of the person. So actually, I'm in the wrong. So even if when I sit when I sit here and I say I've met people and they're not how I expected them to be, that is my fault, not their fault, because they've just been their authentic self in that moment and the moments they're online potentially. But I've I've assigned that that if I see them doing this over here that they're like that all the time and that's not really fair on my part so that's kind of a judgment on my part so i'm trying to get better at that so i'm tr- i'm trying not to have the pre-expectations of people before i meet them oh, does that make cool. sense yeah, yeah yeah so it's like it's like even that was an educational point for me it's like oh that's a learning moment maybe i shouldn't do that because then because then you don't you're not ever disappointed with people have you ever got to the point in your life where you where you meet someone and you or, or you or you have a, a few interactions with someone and you're disappointed with them but that disappointment is your fault because you assigned you assigned them to be a certain way, right? Yeah. That so it's, if when, when you when I one thing I've realized as a man is when you take responsibility for everything that happens in your life, you free yourself and it allows you to unlock another spiritual level to yourself that you that you, you weren't even conscious of because now you're now you're like oh I own all this like this is all me this is all like that I ha- I had that animosity over there with him because of my ego. I I didn't like him because something about his life triggers my past. It all it all yeah. refers inwards, right? So funny. So I just got off brain training um, two days ago. Off um, off what training? Brain training. Brain so training. So there's yeah. this brain training called Forty Years of Zen. It's almost twenty thousand dollars. Five days in Seattle. You train your brain. And so I got there, and the first thing we do is okay. We're gonna like learn how to forgive people and forgive yourself. And I was like. Wait, you're turning so much to forgive people? Like, I need all the tech. Like, what's going on? And so they close up, you know, they put in this, like, um, sensory deprivation pods for four or five hours at a time, and you just sit there forgiving people. And for the first three days, I was like, wow, like, am I just really going to sit here and forgive people? I have not much to forgive. I always, unfortunately, go to the like over intellectualizing my experience and thinking like, I know what you did, why you did it. You know, I see the end goal. Uh, but, you know, just like my spiritual teacher says, you have to feel it to heal it. The science said you have to feel it to heal it. So I was trying to get really, really angry. And I wish I could show you the brainwaves, but starting between Monday and Friday and how much forgiveness and especially self-forgiveness grows your brain is unbelievable. It's it, it's funny that you talk about how the brainwave pattern changed because I haven't been on the on the, to the brain training that you have, but I have been to Dr. Joe Dispenza's retreat. Oh, amazing! So you would know, and right? and so I've so I w- the only way I can explain it to the audience is the fact of like you think um, you think you have a problem with this thing over here. And when you go into like any meditation or any brain training like like you, like you went through, you find out your problem isn't over here like you thought it was. It's something over here or something over here or something down or here. Usually here, it's or, your ego or, feeling like there is the biggest like root cause. And let me just correct you, but like anything that you ever got upset, anything you had to forgive other people or yourself, it's that the reality was not what you hoped it to be. So it's you resisting reality. And every time you resist reality, it's your ego. You know, the, your higher self is like, everything is perfect. Everything's happening to me, for me, for a reason. And everything is a gift. That's basically it. That's your higher self, knowing that everything is perfect. And you don't ever resist reality. You just let it be. And it's your mindset to it is what you get control over. But your ego has this perfect image and a perfect movie of what your podcast should be, of what your life should be, of who you should be dating and what they should look like and how many kids you're going to have and how cool your house is. And if it's not that, you're constantly disappointed and you feel shit about yourself. I'm like, guess what? Like, what if you just change your mindset, right? And if, and if you can understand anything, understand this. Your vision of your perfect reality is is nothing compared to the actual reality that you could live that could be way beyond that. So you by you having a perception of what your perfect reality Beautiful, is, yes. you actually keep yourself away from the from even more abundance than what you could actually have. Yeah. So you actually need to have oh I'd love this these things to happen in my life and have that vision for yourself, but then it's also about 
but there could be more and I'm happy and I'm open to there being more and I'm open to that happening in a different way. I'll give you an example. I was meant to go to Australia to do a ma- to do my mastermind out in Australia and one of my speakers cancelled like literally like I was meant to be going out there in in literally leaving on like next Sunday or the Sunday after. And one of my speakers cancelled and it's like it's folded my whole event and I'm having to refund people and I'm having to do all that and I'm I'm losing lost money because obviously of all this of all this stuff that I've set up and I've booked I booked this stuff. So of course I'm I'm feeling like, why is this happening to me, right? This is how I'm thinking at the time. And I sat there and I thought to myself, hang on a minute. The abundance it gives me, it gives me opportunity to stay in LA longer. I've got another month on my visa. I can stay in LA longer. I can do more podcasts. It's going to open up more doors. I'm just starting to meet more people. So obviously, like, whether you believe in God, universe, whatever, like, obviously the world right now doesn't want me to go to Australia. It wants me to stay in LA for some reason. So, like, just roll into that and see that yeah, for what it they're, is. They're using that speaker... Um, you know, as a means for you to stay in LA, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you will never do it. I also canceled my trip coming up next week because I was like, oh, I really need to have that more, more time in Europe before going to Bali. And it's so funny how, like, when you change your mindset and you realize that, yeah, like, these things are ha- happening for you. Not to you, yeah. Not to you. It's, it's, it's incredible, but also really s- scary. It, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. You have to overcome a lot to go through the gears, to go through the levels. I think where I've gone wrong and where some of you who listen to this may be going wrong, I don't know because I'm not you, but maybe you're looking, well, I was certainly looking at things so like, like I had to achieve, I have to start here and achieve this and it had to be a straight line. Whereas life's not really, not life, life, life is, is not a straight line. Life, life isn't this straight line. Like any podcast that I do in the three weeks after this week, are completely unexpected on my journey because I wasn't even meant to be here. Mm-hmm. So that's a beautiful thing to be able to lean into because it's like, okay, what could happen? There's something bigger for me here because obviously I'm not going to Australia now and there's a reason why certain things fall over. It's always been a reason. Like many things in my life that I've, that I've predetermined as bad in that moment have turned out very, very unspeakably good for me. Like, you know, and, and I'm sure that is for many of us, but we... We have this romantic attachment with putting feeling around things that we should be nonplussed about. We, we wrap this feeling into something and be like, I, I've, because, this is, because this has happened or because this has taken away, I have to feel angry about it. And I, and I sat in anger for about, not anger, but like uh, frustration, which is a low vibrational field to sit in for about an hour until I snapped myself out of it with a bit of breath work and a little bit of a reframing of what we're doing and it's like how many things in your life right now do you need to reframe the way you look at that's a great question to ponder today it's like how many things should i reframe because i'm thinking something that's not actually supporting where i'm trying to get to yeah and i think it's like so many things that you mentioned uh, stepping out of the victim mentality right which is like poor me why is this happening for me second always finding the gift of every situation and even when i share that you know i i teach these my very first course I, I got into before I did biohacking, I did more like mindset and helping people stepping into the uh, abundance and manif- manifesting a lot of money. And I just realized that most people don't appreciate the things they already have, right? Like yeah. we're in this apartment here in LA and they usually go to just like, oh, you know, it's not a house in the hills, right? So it's like we don't, can't really like appreciate every single bit of having an apartment of like actually it's so convenient i don't have to worry about the garden it's actually beautiful and then i feel safer and then perhaps you know x y and z and all the perks that when i'm here i'm gonna be enjoying every single bit about this apartment and instead of thinking oh it's not a house in the hills right instead of because the old me would be like yo bro like you have an apartment that's amazing you're not homeless it's your own but young Aggie growing up in Poland, could this this would have been her dream. Yeah, that's what that's what a lot of us got to understand that a lot of us are living our dreams that were our dreams five years ago. Exactly. So can you imagine the younger you? You're like, damn it! I have to stay in LA and do more podcasts with epic people. That sounds miserable. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Right? I know, I know, and it's just like you have to. You have to. That's your plan ch- B. You have to. You have to <laughs> challenge your thinking. It's like I get to travel around the world i've got online businesses that generates revenue i travel around the world i film content with only people that i want to talk to um and yeah of course like would i like to have another hundred thousand listeners a week 
on listening to the podcast? Absolutely, of course I would. But that'll happen when it's meant to happen in the right divine timing. But all I have to focus on is the reps and, and, and doing the things. But I want to say this because I, I used to be a carpenter and joiner by trade. And my and I remember when I was 16 years old, my dream was to be the qualified carpenter and joiner. But when I became the qualified carpenter and joiner that was getting paid decent money at the time for from, from my age, I resented the fact that I was a carpenter and joiner because other people, I was watching other people walk around in suits to earn more money. It's like you can reframe any thought in your mind. So if you're going towards your plumbing job right now or you've got a plumbing company and you want an online business, which is what which is what a lot of my DMs are about. It's like, I'm the plumber who wants an online business. I'm the carpenter who wants an online business because that's what they see as the in thing right now. Just remember the day when you was actually like, you know, you were doing your apprenticeship, you started your apprenticeship and all you wanted to be was a qualified plumber so you could earn more money to be able to do what you want to do. It's like when you start reframing things on that level of scale, you start to understand like it's not as bad as what you think. And also everything is temporary, right? So if you're watching this and you're a plumber and you know for a fact, and I know that this is going to be true for you, that you're going to crush in an online business, this is might be ju- the last two or three months of you doing plumbing. What is it about it that's so much cooler than running an online business? Well, you work for yourself. You can finish early and hang out with your partner. Um, you know, they like whatever it is about that that makes you happier right yeah that you get to meet new people or like oh actually i get to see how people live and i get to see different interior design that gives me so many ideas da, da, yeah. da. you know i'm not locked up at home like just see what's the silver lining of that situation right now because you as as it sounds you're not a vibration match to anything in life if you're like constantly whiny and bitchy and just feel like oh I know what would have been better because when you get there and I promise you because my life keeps going up every time like I could sit here and tell you 500 things that I wish would have been better about this apartment about what I do with my online business and the challenges that I have that I I didn't have a year or two or five years ago right so it's like it's good problems to have but so just like appreciate them for what they are exactly I mean like you know it's it's just about reframing every area of your life and your thought process around the time frame it should happen in your life yeah. because it, because you don't you don't know that, that that didn't happen because if that happened then something else bad would happen over over here like you you just you can't conceptualize this stuff there's been many times in my life where even when I was in a work van years ago and I'd be like I'd be fuming because I got a flat tire and I, I couldn't I, I'm like how have I got this flat tire and I, I've fixed this flat tire and all of a sudden I've missed this traffic jam um and this and there was a car accident up the road you know like I've, I've avoided this big pile up on this main road because I was late so many there's a reason for everything yeah. and when you get to that granular level of and you start to believe that you 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 get in a better mood if you believe that trust me yeah. So. And it's also like, what is your primary question? I know Tony Robbins talks about it a lot, but most people ask questions like, what's wrong with me? What what could have been done better? Which, okay, great questions to have, but your brain will find the answers. But what if you ask better questions? What if you ask a question, what's beautiful about my life right now? What's so much better? Why is life so easy? And your brain will find the answers. Well, the reason why um, a lot of a lot of, especially young men are, are inboxing me going about they're trying to go from a trade to an online business is is, is essentially the, essentially the thing when, when you i would i would say to a lot of you is like change your thought process around um what you're doing right now elevate your vibration elevate your energy around what you're doing do do it with more consistency with more love actually put your passion into it try, try and be try and be the best you can at what you're doing right now that elevation in energy will attract other things and attract the things that you want into your life anyway. And the natural progression towards the online business will happen. What will not happen is if you, if you, if you, if you keep being a miserable, miserable bastard about being a plumber or keep resenting the fact that you're a carpenter, which, which like I say, was once, was once a vision in your mind. It had to be, otherwise it wouldn't be your reality right now. It had to be a vision at some point. Then, you know, you're just going to keep yourself away from this growth that you want. And and that's and that's what I feel holds a lot of a lot of young men back. They want to change too many steps in too quick a quick a moment. And it's like I had to go from carpenter in the UK 
to carpenter in Australia, to shop fitter in Australia, to shop fitting business, to sales guy, to content removal guy, to find my podcast. So that, that was, that, that didn't, I didn't just land in Australia and think, oh, it's abundant here. I can just start a podcast. No. How do you fund that? How do you, how do there's steps to that? And there's been, and every part of your journey that we've spoke about so far with, it's like this, this, this little steps and little seeds that have opened up your mind to new environments that you can be in. 100%. And also it's like I, one of the exercises I do with my students, um, at Higher Self Academy, it's like skip. It's called skip the middleman. So, what is it about the podcast that you love the most? Talking to interesting people. So, can you have that with what you're doing right now? Right. If your goal is like, wow, like it would be so amazing for me to listen and be a part of a very interesting conversations because I feel like that just gives me so much energy and I feel alive. Like, can you do it right now? Do you need to really wait to have a podcast? Can you reach out to different people? You know that can that maybe aren't as famous but they're super interesting and you can just invite them on a podcast or a zoom call like my partner uh, my fiance jacob is so good like that when he finds someone he's like inspired by he's like hey let's jump on a zoom call and connect and yeah people usually say yes because we all crave like deep conversations yeah and and like from my point of view is like having run a podcast that's been in five six different countries around the world now and and setting up in each location it's like it's i was doing a i was basically doing a podcast before i even started this because from 2017 onwards i've I've had contentremoval.com and i've basically been looking after celebrities and brands for that entire period and the amount of celebrities i've been on the phone with for like an hour hour and a half anyway talking about what you might think might be content online but is actually about the psychology of of how the content online makes them feel and all the other stuff going on around their life that means of why they've invested so much time into that content do you understand there's a lot so 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 i so that's very powerful it's very true so basically when it comes to content online you you might the only reason you believe it's a problem is because you've got some um thought process in your head of what it means to you by having that online so there's a lot more to the psychology of it than just removing the content. Because if you if you become peaceful with the fact of like you're your whole self, you perhaps you perhaps don't even need to remove the content. Some people do, some people don't. But it's like I've had hours and hours long conversations with these people and sometimes it's like, is that really a problem? Or is the problem something else? Which has been a which has been a real learning curve. But essentially I was doing the podcast before I ever recorded it. So it's, it's, it's been a whole a whole learning process in, in that art as well. It's been Yeah, and I often find that whatever you end up doing in the first place, like me teaching biohacking, I, would, I was doing that to my friends, right? Like it's just your goal has to be a result of what you're already doing for free because you fucking love it, you know, and you're already doing that. And then you maybe get paid for it. It's not like, hey, I want to get paid, you know. I'm just, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a plumber, I don't give a shit about my life, but I just want to do X, Y, and Z, but nothing in my life reflects, you know. No, no, nothing's going to make you as much money or as, or give you as much purpose in life as when you are, as when you're doing something that's in full alignment with you. Like, obviously, look, I've never monetized the podcast yet, but eventually um, I, I'm, I'll probably have, have a course that helps people break patterns in their life. I will probably do coaching in that aspect and I'll probably do this that never when it's the right time and it evolves for me. I don't have to rush the process. It's going to come to me when it comes to me, how I'm meant to do it and how I'm meant to deliver it the same way that you have. But what you find is when you're on this path and you're just enjoying it, which is, which I am in which you are, everything just flows a lot better, doesn't it? Like it just, it just, the ideas come to you. You know, you got, you, you had to go into biohacking because you had to hack um, ways around your health because you weren't happy with your skin and you weren't happy with other parts of yourself that you wanted to fix and thought you could be better at. So you discovered biohacking and then you went from biohacking to, oh, I'm feeling so much better now. So I'm going to tell the girls to do this. And then from that, you've gone supplement line and then you've gone into teaching yeah. biohacking because it's a natural evolution of self, right? And also the funny thing is what motivated, so I was always into Tony Robbins motivation and it was really great in my 20s because I was like, fuck, like other people are just lazy. They're not getting anything done with their life because clearly they're not listening to Tony Robbins, but it's so easy. You just have to do it. But then when I started having health issues, I realized that our biology is 
a big culprit of why we don't get shit done. And so it was a very humbling experience. I was like, there's no amount of Tony Robbins that can get me out of bed in the morning because my biology is compromised. And so that connection between biology and, you know, mindset was something that I was like, oh, I get it. Like, now I want to help women and I I want to see more women crush. I want to see more women thrive and make a lot of money and be financially independent. And a lot of them aren't because they live in their heads and they're, they're still trying to figure out their biology and they don't feel at their best. I think the biology piece... Um you know, also works with men too. Like in in, 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 in in essence, like, you know, if if you're if you've got the if you've got if you're listening to all the mindset content, all the Frankie Lee podcast, all the, you know, everyone else's stuff, if you're listening to all the mindset, 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 but you are eating shit food and or and that's low vibrational that's bringing you into a low vibrational state it doesn't matter how much of my content you consume or how much of anyone else's content you consume, you're not really gonna move forward in in you may move forward two steps but might go one step backwards because of the, because of your consumption isn't in alignment with your mind so what you say there and how you got to line up the biology and and, and the psychology is too is very powerful because a lot of people have probably never heard that before so just how what is the best way then for people to in a simple in a simple step process to ascertain where they're not lined up and then also then realign themselves? I mean, just a simple question of how are you feeling right now? How many cups of hot coffee did you have? Did you just jump out of bed or did you drag yourself out of bed? You know, do you have a beautiful gym routine that you go there and you feel like fucking amazing to sweat? Or you just feel like this is something you have to do because all the other people are doing it and you fucking hate it. Like, excuse my language, but like, this is, has to feel that like, a f- full fuck yes like a really just like a full body life feels so good i have so much energy i'm so excited or you're like mm, i don't know like if you're like this then you're clearly you know time for an upgrade right like your birthright and your default should be thriving and should be a lot of energy if it's not time to fix it what were some of the key th- substances and things that you took out of your life um straight away or cut down that really helped you sh- make that first initial shift was it caffeine or no I I still drink caffeine I think it's great um it's um it's funny I think it's almost going against everything the mainstream will tell you and so when I was getting ready to write my book I decided to stalk like the biggest fitness experts out there and see what they're doing and I think no wonder I was feeling shit when I was following their advice but obviously some people genetically have great metabolism and they can eat not whatever but somewhat relatively healthy and have great results that was never really me i you know i i did my dna test i have tendency for obesity so i really my diet's like you know a crucial part crucial part of of and and movement and so i would say like you know the mainstream would tell you have a smoothie for breakfast in the morning have an oat milk latte just nibble like a bird, avoid fats, especially saturated fat, because it's going to make you fat. All of these things that are actually like the opposite is true. Uh, I'd say don't drink your calories, like try to chew as much as possible because it's really important for the development of your, um, you know, for your breathing and and the way you breathe is going to really impact the way you like perform in life. Uh, You don't want to drink sugar first thing in the morning because it's fucks up your glucose and glucose roller coaster is a really hard thing to get off and it just crashes your energy and creates more cravings um and the more cravings and your dopamine is out of whack you're gonna find it really hard to avoid scrolling on instagram because you're gonna need that dopamine hit so it's just like a lot of things will get impacted um and yeah eat enough protein like good quality protein and avoid seed oils. I, th- I think these would be like the main ones. Yeah, I think the seed oils are a killer because it, it, it doesn't matter where you go, you, everyone's cooking in them. Yeah, and so, it's like you, when you go get a coffee, do you, how do you drink your coffee? Do I don't drink coffee. Okay, what, what do you, what's your morning drink? Um, well, I I don't have any caffeine yeah. in the morning now because I've, I was addicted to energy drinks quite badly and I was drinking like four to five cans of Monster a day and about 80 odd days ago, I completely, completely oh. gave up. 
So I look, I do have the occasional Diet Coke and Pepsi Max and stuff like that, maybe from about 10 a.m. onwards, but I don't hit any caffeine in the morning. Well, so my go-to in the morning is like matcha with coconut milk um, sometimes. And if I went to a coffee shop and ordered that and they put like five like teaspoons of sugar, I would be like, wait, this tastes a little weird, right? Like you can taste sugar. But if you order an oat milk latte that has a lot of cereals, you know, in the milk, which now it is like a lot of these uh, plant-based milks have a lot of cereals, it's like you can taste it and be like, oh, I'm sorry, but there is a drop of seed oil. Like you can never tell, right? Mm. And so that's the scary thing about seed oils that they are in your morning coffee. So you not only get a glucose spike, you only get, you drink seed oils and they're inflammatory. They create free radicals. They age you. Like they're the root cause of a lot of disease. And it's, it's you know, as scary as it sounds, I don't want to scare you, but it's something that is scary because it's invisible and you can't really taste it. So you probably, mm. it, we're exposed to cedos left and right, including our morning coffee or morning matcha. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even know it was, in, it was in the morning coffee. But like you say, when you've got the, all these plant-based, plant-based products, especially being put everywhere now, and it's like a lot of, a lot of these foods are labeled now to sell them as protein. You know what I mean? They're labeling protein, low fat, all this kind of all yeah. these kind of labels to sell you this food, and a lot anything that's labeled protein, low fat, something of it invariably is shit. Yeah. So it's like you know, I think the 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 best shape I've ever been in in my life is when I was just eating like chicken, broccoli, and like sweet potato or, or, or roast potato. Like that, that was that, that's kind of that's kind of worked for my body type, and it's it's about getting down to the simple one ingredient food so you know where it's come from. What we eat, you saw what we, we yeah eat very very simple, and and my body needs it. Like you don't really need to go too fancy. And the beautiful thing is, the simpler you go, your palate really changes. So then you don't really you don't crave, crave. the shit, yeah. No, which is designed in a lab to make you keep eating it, right? So no wonder you, you're addicted. Do you ever have any off days where you where you where you do crave a bit of fast food or anything like that? I never have like a no any I don't ever have foods that are a no yeah travel so much you know we go to Italy we go to Bali I eat a lot of things that you know that's what I said at the beginning I'm a biohacker and a bioslacker because that 20% is just like I just want to enjoy life and I just want to yeah you know make the most of it and I love a delicious meal and how a good dessert makes me feel uh so yeah I don't really have like a like a you know a forbidden list so to say yeah, I think I think that's the best way to do it is to, is to have like not when you forbid yourself from something, you kind of you kind of once you put that restriction forbidden around. Forbidden fruit. Oh my god, my personality yeah. is like yeah. if I tell myself no milk, it's all I'm gonna think about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I about sixty five days into um, my my journey with quitting energy drinks, I said to myself, if you want one, you can have one one again, and then that way I stopped me wanting to have any. Exactly. Whereas before it was like restriction, you gotta you gotta do you gotta get to hundred days like that. I was like, nah, he's off. I've never had one, but if I wanted to, I could. But I don't need it now mm-hmm. because I've not put that restriction. I've not battered myself. I've not kind of done this and the other. And it's funny how like a lot of these processed foods, like your baseline is changing, right? Like you started with one, but then one isn't enough, so you need to have a second one in the afternoon. Yeah, it's funny how like especially with caffeine, how fast it's growing. Once you get on the caffeine train or the glucose train of like sugar up, sugar down, da, 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 like you crave more. It, yeah. it really is a drug. It's it. The, these foods are taught to put your body in a cycle of of like doom, a doom cycle of craving and, and crashes, craving and crashes, craving and crashes. So on my website, I don't, do you remember Goodwill Hunting with uh, yeah. Matt Damon? And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So remember the scene when uh, was it Robin Williams that you know has he's a therapist and. Matt Damon had a very difficult childhood and he says, you know, Robin Williams says to him, it's not your fault. He's like, yeah, I get it. He's like, no, it's not your fault. And he's like, don't fuck with me, man. And he's like, no, it's not your fault. And then Matt Damon like breaks down because he's like, yeah, it's really not my fault that I am the way I am. I had a really difficult childhood. And I think this is very, very true for, for anyone listening right now. If you're struggling with your diet, if you're struggling with losing weight, if you're struggling with your energy, please trust me, it's not your fault. You're exposed to 168 chemicals a day on average. 
the food that you're eating isn't really real food, God knows what that is. You know, for me, definition of food is something I can digest and has nutrients. A lot of items that are on the shelf don't even tick the two boxes. They do yeah. more damage than good. So like if you're struggling, it is really, really not your fault. It's how to navigate and remove all of the bullshit in your life. Um, it's like literally like you do content removal. I do bullshit removal from your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically what is actual bullshit and what, how to remove the toxin, toxic people, toxic uh, products, uh, toxic food, and just finally just feel amazing. I love it. I love it. And if, there's, if there was one piece of golden wisdom before we get off this podcast, one piece of advice where you, where you could leave um, an impactful point on everyone in this audience, but you can only leave one, what would it be? I feel like honestly that would be it, that it's really not your fault. And the more you dive in into biohacking, the more you dive into your soul, you see how life is meant to be easy. It's not meant to feel like you're pushing through. And if it does, I would love for you to to invite you for a little upgrade and see what it's like. What if life was easy? You know, what if you could feel absolutely amazing and full of energy in your body and how to remove everything else that isn't serving you, including toxic people and toxic um, food and, you know, toxic products that are all around us. I love it. And that, guys, is Aggie Lau. And thank you so much for, for doing this today. I know you're flying out and you wedding dress shopping and everything that's going on in your life today. <laughs> so appreciate this podcast, guys, because we've, we've, we've stuck it in. We've got it done. And guys, do me a solid favor. Yeah, subscribe to it on all the platforms. If you're if you're watching it on YouTube, drop a comment. If you're if you're watching it on, or if you're listening to it on Apple or Spotify, drop a review or, or or a star rating. I'd appreciate it. Share it with your friends. Um, I appreciate all of you listening, and I hope this adds value to your life today. Much love, guys. Do me a solid favor. Drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next. <laughs> <laughs>